everybody. Welcome to another movie episode of Game My Mom Found. This is a movie episode chose by you, the fans, the patrons. This is our first animated movie poll winner. We just had the poll that was in July. And I am Mike Elberton, and who's with me tonight? I am Vengeance. I am the Knight. <laughs> I am Kenneth Sanity. Hey, what's up, y'all? Our Batman guy. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> you became our Batman guy. <laughs> I've been uh, called worse. Okay. So this is a movie that I had been wanting to do on the show for a while anyway. It just, I could never work it in with our busy schedule of scheduling stuff that I keep doing. But then thanks to the poll, I was able to sneak it in there and we made it happen. And since I feel like no one should introduce movie better than someone who probably loves this movie more than I do. So why don't you introduce what we're talking about tonight? Oh, today we're talking about your favorite and mine, Batman, <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm. Basically the big screen debut of the Batman animated series cast. And I actually thought this was later. It came out in 1993. Yep. I thought this was a later 90s movie, but it's not. <laughs> oh, oh no. No, no, no. This was 93. This was like right when they were starting to capitalize on the popularity with the animated series, because everybody knows the animated series is probably the best adaptation of Batman ever, but whatever, you know, we don't, we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> it probably is. It is a really good show. Did that show had, okay. So that show ended in 95. So that would have still been going on at this time when this movie came out. Correct. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yep. If memory. Yeah. Uh, the sub zero movie, the kind of, other theatrical movie it, it was direct to video but that came out in 98 so that didn't do so hot on release because you know the show had already ended by that point and then there was another movie that came out that was kind of a sequel you know still same universe mystery of the batwoman in 2003 yeah but that's way but, later uh, i feel oh way later and this one this one was the first to capitalize on the show while it was still running. Okay. That's cool. So this is 93 would have been the animated series or the second version of the animated series where they change everything. And I hate it. Uh, 93 would have been the first, uh, when it was still just Batman, the animated series. Okay. Cause when they, when they changed the animation, I get upset and I stop watching. Fair enough. What was that? Ba Adventures of Batman and Robin at that point? Yeah. Where Nightwing then gets involved in stuff and it like, gets like a yeah. time jump, I think. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I just I, I can't handle it. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not my Batman type of thing. So I'm just like, nope. It's not that it's bad. It's just not as good. Yeah. And it's not what I grew up watching. because I think I must have stopped watching it. I never had saw Adventures of Batman and Robin when I was a kid. It wasn't until later on that I caught and found out, wait, there's more seasons of the same show, but the animation changes. And it just my I couldn't do it when I tried. Fair enough. And, you know, this the show was an incredibly like it was popular because, you know, people just love seeing a Batman show. It was like the critics loved it. They absolutely loved the art style. It had a very art deco theme going for it. Like it, nobody had done Batman like this before because it wasn't just focusing on Batman. You had, you know, Commissioner Gordon, you had Harvey Bullock, you had Renee Montoya, you had uh, Harvey Dent both before and after, you had Joker, you had your 
uh, lesser known villains like Clayface showed up in the animated series and I forget he's still, known. yeah. I mean, like he's not a list, Mr. Freeze, Penguin, all of those, but you also had people like, you know, Scarecrow and Mad Hatter. It's my favorite version of Mad Hatter in the animated series. But then they decided, you know what? It's popular. We should make it a movie. And it was originally going to be direct to video, but Warner Brothers was like, no, let's push it to theaters. Which to me, like, that's really surprising. It is surprising, but the fact that it was the first theatrical feature produced by Warner Brothers Animation directly was pretty cool. It, because they moved to two theaters, it had a time crunch. Yeah. And they had to condense everything into an eight-month schedule, essentially. Eight-month schedule. That is not enough time to make it a movie. And I mean, you yet, can do it, but you shouldn't have. And to. yet, they made this in eight months. And they did a good job. I mean, they were able to use animation because they already had all the characters designed from the show. So I'm sure that helped, but still, to have to create an entire movie plot and direct it in eight months is that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impressive. And uh, this was released on Christmas Day, 1993. So this was the Warner Brothers, the big push, because there's always big movies that are released around the Christmas time. And this was Warner Brothers big hit for 93. And it paid off, kind of. I mean, it didn't it did not make back its budget in theaters. Nope. Nope. <laughs> got close though the budget was 6 million it made box office 5.8 million but I know when, when it went to DVD say, or <laughs> DVD VHS sales that's when it made back its budget and did really well oh I'll say I saw it in the theater I think twice when it was out in its original run and I bought the VHS the first day it was out it came in a nice clamshell case I loved it it was great Okay, I, I do kind of remember those clamshell releases of like VHS tapes but it's been so long since I've held a VHS tape <laughs> oh, I I still have a nice collection of them. I watch oh, them every once in a while. But what I I, I think is about I think it's time we should start. I want to kind of dig into the movie. But one thing I do want to say about how like the way the movie start is I didn't I, I guess this never really paid it mattered to me. But as now I watch more movies and have did podcasts about movies, I like the fact that it starts with a city landscape showing you kind of like the way that the city is from the animated show, and it just has opera singing in the background is the first thing you're introduced to in this movie. And that was, I was like, okay, that is a way to really, really build your scene. I was like, that is impressive. <laughs> and it's short, too. Like, it is one of the shortest, like, first frame to action things that I've seen in a long, long time. Like, they just, they glide through the city, you hear the singing title card, boom, movie starts. So quick. But that's kind of what you, I think you needed for this movie, too, just because it's, well, it's an animated movie. Like, I, I like I also got a big kick how it starts off with the whole, like, these guys doing the counterfeit money. And you see, like, this ramp that says casino parking. And the ramp has no railings on it. <laughs> oh, and, of course. And that caught me up. Like, <laughs> man, I would not want to cross that ramp. If I had to go from, like, the office building to the parking, I'd be right in the middle. Because I hate heights. Right in the middle. Oh, same. And I just thought that was funny. I'm like... That fits the way that the animated show, the city looks, where it has a very 1940s, 
vibe, but it's taking place in the 1980s or something. It's a very weird, like, technology thing they do in this animated show. Yeah, it's got timeless elements to it. Like, the architecture in the city is all very much based on, like, the Art Deco movement of the 30s and 40s. And you get some very, you know, broad, expansive looks. A lot of why this just feels so good that people keep going back to it. Another place Art Deco shows up a lot is Bioshock. Yep, Rapture is all very much done in an Art Deco style as well. It's just something about this looks classy, but also forbidding. I'm usually not a big fan of it, to be honest, but it works well in the animated series and this movie. Oh, yeah. But it's not my favorite thing. That's fair. I'm not a fan of the arts and crafts mission style architecture either. So it (laughs) is what it is. But it worked great in the show. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about this opening scene here. We have gangster Chucky Saul. (laughs) <laughs> who is voiced by perennial genre movie veteran Dick Miller. Uh, you might know him as Mr. Futterman from Gremlins. I got but he's, <laughs> he's laundering money through his casino. And this is, you know, fantastically good money. Took years to get these plates right. They're microscopically correct. You need one of them neutron microscopes, as they said, <laughs> to tell the difference. And we're just setting up talking about counterfeit money. That's that's nothing. That's not the Joker. That's not some super insidious scheme. This isn't a supervillain. This is just some dude laundering money. Which I like that. I like that this movie starts off very much with just mob bosses. And he's dealing... Because, I mean, Batman dealt a lot with the mob early on. In early Batman. Or at least, mechanically speaking. Maybe not the comic, but like that's what he goes after first. Like Falcone and them. To try to clean yeah, up the city. he goes he goes after the small time hoods and that brings in your big crazies very yeah. much what has been intimated in a lot of the you know batman stories going forward and you know even even the marvel movies that the presence of having a force for good will bring in stronger forces for evil but this just starts out simple and this is when you first see Batman, too, hiding in the sh- or he, he, he approaches them. And I was laughing my ass off during the scene because some of the mob guys just rush him. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you rush Batman? He's been doing this for a while at this point. Yeah, this isn't young Batman. Like I, but they, And the guy rushes him and, and obviously gets his ass beat in seconds. Like, boom, boom, done. And then they start shooting him. <laughs> Which, of course, does nothing because he's Batman. He can dodge bullets. Which has always been interesting, <laughs> but I mean, mate, I understood when they shot at him. I just didn't understand why you would rush a guy who you and they know who he is. Like they know he can fight. They know. And they like, oh, we're just going to rush him instead. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe they're like, you know what? I know that nobody else is taken out of Batman, but maybe I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could do it. I'm yeah, good enough. Great. Yeah, no, it didn't. So Batman pretty much just cleans house, flips a table on a guy. And I was like, oh, man, that poor gentleman is dead because that was a heavy table if it can stop gunfire. And then he steps on the table. Yeah, just to be a jerk. Come on, Batman. <laughs> I was Come like, on. why would you step on the table? I thought he's going to because he walks by and I thought he's going to kick the gun away. So I'm like, OK, he's going to kick the gun. He doesn't kick the gun. He steps on the table. Yeah, just to add insult to injury. But, of course, 
Chucky Saul gets away because Batman only goes for the henchmen and not the big guy. Yeah, he runs Besides, into the parking lot. Yeah, into the, the parking structure to get to his car. And this is where we hear a voice call out to Chucky Saul, basically <laughs> saying, Chucky Saul, your angel of death awaits. And then you see the phantasm for the first time. And oh Which boy, like. this was, oh, I love it. I also love the fact that they're like, it's Batman. Like, how'd you get here so fast? Nope. This is somebody new. And what I really like is that, you know, it's obviously it appeals to the old school goth aesthetic that I aspire to on a daily basis. But you pretty much have a black and gray version of the Grim Reaper. Except instead of a scythe, you have a bladed hand. And it's just, it, ooh, it's creepy. It's got, like, smoke and very deep voice. And basically, he's got it in for Chucky. It's a very good design of a villain. And, oh, like, on the really poster, is. this was the villain that was advertised for it. This was the one that you knew was going to be in this movie. Yep. And, I, and, and I, very fond. On the theatrical poster, you only see the face. And you see a stylized like skull mask with triangular eyes and a gray hood. And it's just, it's very ominous in the I've, poster. I've always liked it. It's always still one of my fan. favorite, always one of my favorite dis- villain designs of the Batman universe ever. Like I was, I was obsessed. I used to draw the phantasm all the time because I just, I loved the design and we keep saying the phantasm, Never once referred to as the phantasm in the movie. Hmm. Yeah, you have a point. They never do call the villain anything but Batman. Yep. And they go, you're not and Batman. They, yeah, because, you know, KP aesthetic, dark, lurking yeah. in the shadows. Gotta be Batman. It makes sense that that's what people <laughs> think. And it so, works well, I feel for it. Like the, and I just, one thing, one thing I think interesting about her, about this character is that like, it, you know, this character has this has like the scythe arm you were saying, but this character also kind of like phase through things almost like there's this like smoke that comes around that can envelop the character and then they can teleport elsewhere kind of or not maybe not teleport, but disappear and, and reappear. Yeah, I think they just went to the Batman school of exiting conversations. They just have cool smoke to do it. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And Chucky back to Chucky Saul and his poor car. Chucky's trying to get away. He's got half a mil in counterfeit money and he wants to get it out. It's so good, it might as well just be real money. So, yeah, it, it creates an impetus to leave. So, he gets in the car, drives away. Of course, Phantasm won't let that happen. So, Phantasm attacks Chucky Saul, and somehow, Saul manages to get away. Until he sees the Phantasm just kind of dazed, standing there. And it's like, okay, I'm going to take the opportunity to kill this guy with my car. Yeah, that works out well. It does not. He does the smoke phasey thing, and Chucky drives right through the cloud of smoke, ends up going through the side of the parking lot into a building next door, and he dies. <laughs> he yeah. dies. Somebody dies in Batman the Animated Series. And I think what's so cool about this, too, is when he dies, it isn't just that he just dies. He crashes and Batman shows up in the parking lot, sees Phantasm, and then runs to the spot. And people think Batman's got it made him drive off and kill him. 
and he gets blamed for the murder. Which brings us to our next scene where we have a city councilman screaming for Batman's head. And this is Councilman Arthur Reeves, who is just the worst person <laughs> in this entire movie. Voice provided by Hart Bachner, established Hollywood actor who played Ellis in Die Hard, also the worst person in that movie. <laughs> I think you don't like this guy, huh? Uh, he's just really good at playing jerks. <laughs> like, as an actor, I respect his craft, but he just, he plays the worst kind of people. <laughs> and Arthur like Reeves, Arthur Reeves is just, you know, one of your typical Gotham, Batman is bad, we gotta arrest him. Yeah, that worked well so often before. <laughs> I do like this, the slimy character. I mean, he is a slimy asshole, too, as, as it progresses. I get oh, a kick out of him. just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is, but I that's what like I like him. about him. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not because I, when you find out more as the movie progresses and you find out who he is and what he is, I really like the fact that he's in this movie and how he connects to everything that's happened. Like this press conference is a very good aspect to show that how slimy he is. Because at first you don't know anything about him. All you know is he's he's a councilman. He wants Batman because Batman was seen at at the sign of a murder. Makes sense. He's doing the thing that a public a public official would do. We got to blame the guy that we saw that we already hate because that's going to make people vote for us. So I understand, but ooh, it gets good when you find out more about him. Oh, it gets so good, so good. But after the press conference, we start um, getting into more about what's going on in the rest of the life. Uh, we see uh, Bruce kind of hanging out down in the Batcave, analyzing some glass that he got from the scene of Chucky Saul's death. You also see a a lot of Detective Batman in this movie. Yeah, I know. I love Detective Batman. That's my favorite Batman. I do too, but it's like, that is cool how much they threw into this movie. Like, you were multiple scenes of him being a detective, and this is just the first one of many. And that is such a cool thing to fit into a blockbuster movie. Yeah, this movie... Takes its time, allows us characters to breathe, which is really remarkable considering that this movie clocks in at a tight, tight 78 minutes. Yeah. That's less than an hour and 20 minutes. That is not long. No. It's insane. (laughs) You fit so much story into this and Mm -hmm. still let the characters all have their moments. It's Modern Hollywood needs to go back and watch this movie <laughs> because it is just, it's a master class in character development and plot motivations. It's just so good. It's surprisingly like it, it when rewatching, especially now that I understand movies a lot more, it really surprised me how good this film is as a film, not just a Batman mm-hmm. film, but a, a film. Yeah. Like I feel like you could, if you could find the mythical person that has never, ever heard of anything Batman and set them down with this movie, I feel like they would enjoy it. Speaking of that, I was trying, I was trying to get my wife to watch this movie, but we ran out of time because she doesn't like Batman normally. So I want her to see a, a good Batman movie, but it didn't work out. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to get her to do this. I want to know what she thinks. At some point, I will. We just running out of time this week, but it's. Oh, well, yeah. And then it, right after yeah. you see Batman in the cave, this is when it jumps to a woman in a plane talking on the phone to, I think she's talking to Arthur. 
right? Oh, the asshole Reeves. Yeah, the counselor. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I like it. Like again, it's a good spot to put it because you're introduced to this new character who's obviously not in Gotham at the time. So you know, it's just this new character is coming into town, and I think it's a great introduction to Andrea Beaumont. And you never, you don't know who she is at this point. No. But if you were like me, who grew up in the 80s, you know the voice. It is Dana Delaney of China Beach fame. Again, also, you, you'll Andrea Beaumont is a brand new, brand new character, right, for the show? Yes. Okay. Yes, brand new character to the show. Something the Batman show did a lot of. Not saying any, you know, names, of course. <clears throat> Harley Quinn. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's so good, though. Oh, yeah, it is great. And we see, you know, Arthur just kind of being like, hey, you know, it'll be nice to see you again. And Andrea's like, yep, just kind of coming into town, hanging out, talking about money. Well, and, so you know, just kind of left at that. And it's, it's, it's a very good way to set up things without really going far. And this movie, I think, also does a good job of really showing Bruce Wayne and showing Batman. Like then you go to you go to the party and Bruce Wayne throwing a party. You got two women on his arms, two beautiful women. Another woman comes up and throws a wa- liquor. I'm assuming it was wine in his face because he didn't call her or whatever. I don't think they say, but it was cool to see how much of that stuff happens in this in this movie. Like you have so many scenes of that of. Like in this party, really showing Bruce Wayne, but at the same time, you see that Bruce Wayne is not happy, even though he has all this money. He has all these beautiful women around him. I mean, again, we all know it's just a front because he's Batman, but it does a very good job of showing his character and also shows the relationship with the asshole Arthur, the councilman, because he's like, hey, how about that one woman that got away? <laughs> and you can just see like it hurts him. And I think that was also very cool that you can see the pain in his eyes. They did a good job of showing it in the animated character when he makes that comment about Andrea Beaumont. Yeah, which was that's one thing the Batman animated series always did the best of. And that's why I will probably go to my grave saying Kevin Conroy is the best Batman ever because he was able to portray Bruce Wayne and Batman, two completely different types of voices. But the show was always good about showing you that there was a difference between Bruce Wayne, the public, and Batman, the private. And this is like, you really see Batman get, Bruce Wayne get frazzled in this. Like, he gets really, really frazzled. And I think that was so cool to see. Like, you don't see that all the time. He's he's emotional about it. And that's just... That's cool. And you start to wonder, well, what's what's he emotional about? This guy's just being a jerk. Why is he being so upset? Well, fortunately, it's flashback time, baby. And that's another thing of this movie. There's so many flashbacks. But whenever they happen, it does a very good job of letting you know you're in a flashback. This is what happens. This is where you are. And these flashbacks are so good. Like the first one is Bruce meeting Andrea. And I want to say it's at. It's at the grave site and because he, he come he came there to see his, you know, his parents. And I think this is when he's talking about I don't remember he talking about the promise he made to them, but he, he's at the grave site and he's and he hears his other woman talking. And I love how she's like, I was telling I told mom about you and stuff like that. She says later, she's like, oh, we were done talking anyway. Like, it's I love the way that she's talking. You know, she's aware she's talking to a grave and that nobody's there, but it it helps her to voice her opinion to somebody, even if it's just to herself. Yeah. And 
she Bruce thinks that she's talking to him at first. <laughs> not, you know, she That's even cool. says at one point, you're not the only one that can talk to your dead relatives. <laughs> and I, I chuckled. I had a good laugh at that. It's good. But, you know, it's your typical Hollywood, you know, your typical movie meet, meet cute, except it's in a cemetery. It's a little morbid. Yeah. But I like it. But it fits both of them. It, it fits does. both characters. It does foreshadowing to a sense in the movie to what's coming. I think it's a very good introduction to this character. And like they hit it off. And at the end, when he walks her to her car, I think she's like, well, you know, I'm going to see you again. Right. Or she says something of that nature. And I thought that was really cool, too. Like she has a complete plan to see him again. Oh, yeah. She's very confident. I like that. I really like Andrea Beaumont's character. I think it's a great, great character. So she drives off, and later that night, it's time for Bruce to do some Brucey stuff because he's not quite Batman yet. He's wearing all black, black jacket, ski mask. This is very clearly year one Batman. <laughs> I have never read year one, by the way. Oh, year one's not bad. They made a movie about it, a cartoon movie. It was pretty good. Okay. I just never got around to it yet. I've seen the movie, but never read the book. But basically, this is Batman before the bat. This is Bruce Wayne just getting into his plan to fight crime and doesn't know how he's doing it yet. But, you know, he's got a ski mask. He's wearing black. He punches people a lot. He's doing all right. <laughs> it's a very good scene to see. And I love like the first time you see him doing that when he jumps down, he's like, OK, everybody freeze. They just laugh at him. I love how, you know. He just doesn't know what he's doing at first. Yeah, that is so they're not good. afraid of him. He's just some weirdo. Yeah, why should he's, they be afraid of him? Yeah, but, you know, then, you know, he pre- of course, he kicks everybody's ass. <laughs> it takes a little bit, though, and he gets his ass handed to him a little bit, too, which I, I, I oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, they hold him and punch him in the gut. Like, they, they kind of hit him a bit. Yeah, but that's what you needed. You didn't, I mean, it's a good introduction to Batman because he doesn't just succeed. He gets his ass handed to him at first. Yep. And he does eventually succeed. There is a truck that drives off. So, of course, he jumps on the back because he's a vigilante, wants to stop the criminals. And the truck almost destroys another cop car that's driving past. That was a cool scene. That was a cool scene because one of those cops in there was young detective Harvey Bullock before he became a detective. (laughs) Which is very cool. It's fun to see Harvey Bullock in the patrolman blues. Just like, hey, look over there. He's clearly the younger partner. So that's that's some nice little nods to, oh, yes, this there was a younger thing. So maybe this is what put the whole bug up Bullock's butt about vigilantes is the fact that he almost got run over because of one. You know, I didn't think about that, but that would make sense. Yeah. That would give you a, a, a reason for him to hate them so much. Yeah, because, I mean, he kind of died. It was a bad car accident, y'all. If you haven't seen it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, go watch this movie. You haven't seen it if you're listening to this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, please. We haven't spoiled the movie yet. So go if you have HBO Max, go watch it. It's on there. But since we did talk about spoilers, we will be talking about spoilers later. I assume we're going to let them know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when we get there, I mean, yeah, it's also from 93s. So I don't feel bad spoiling a movie from 93, you know? Yeah, no, if you haven't seen it in the uh, almost 20 years since it came out, no. Um, I don't think you're doing math right. 
It's been more than 20 years. It's been almost 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've had 30, almost 30 years to see this. If you haven't done it, it's nobody's fault but your own. But you can still fix it. It's how we're stuck in 2010, how the 90s are only 20 years ago to us. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Time is dumb. It's a construct moving along. <laughs> uh, and then you see Bruce doing martial arts training. And this is so cool to me. Like, you know, he's all beat up because he you know, just got done fighting. And then he's, tra- he's training. And then Andrea comes in. She's like, what are you doing? And he. He thinks he's going to throw one on. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm martial art Bruce. I'm woohoo. And then she throws him. <laughs> yeah, she just takes him down. I love that. A, that is so cool to me. Like, it is like, such a great scene. She's she's a very strong, capable character, which is great. But, you know, also a strong, capable female character, which you didn't have a lot of in the 90s. And no. it was it was very it's very pleasant to see. Because she bodily assaults Bruce Wayne, of course, Bruce Wayne is all like, oh, my, I like you. I like you a lot. And they kiss. Of course. But it it works. Like, you can see the affection for these two characters. Like, you can see that there's attraction. I mean, they're both attractive, you know, humans. So it, it all makes sense. They're also both in their early 20s. So it, it fits very well, I felt. Oh, yeah. Was that? Absolutely. It feels organic. Yes. And I really liked it. Like, I, I love their relationship together and the way it goes throughout this entire movie. It's such a good relationship. And then it jumped back to the present. And this is where you go to the cemetery. And I like this where you see one of the other mob bosses going to visit Chucky e. Saul, who died. But he's kind of insulting him as he throws the wreath on, on there. He's calling him an, he's calling him an idiot and stuff. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, we yes. do flash back to the Wayne Manor, where Bruce is just kind of reminiscing. He just got done with the flashback. And Alfred comes in and tells Bruce that Miss Bambi is dancing on the piano. And you hear a voice asking Brucey where he is. Oh. That voice was Arlene Sorkin, who would go on to voice one Harley Quinn. Okay, I thought I was I heard that. I'm like, wait a second. That's Harley Quinn. But that's not it is Harley Quinn. Not in this movie. Right. It's not Harley Quinn. It's just the same voice actress. But I thought that was nice. (laughs) A nice little throwback. Oh, yeah. Easter egg type of thing. And who knows if that was because I that was I want to say this movie came out before Harley Quinn was a thing on the show, but I could be wrong. Keep talking. I'm going to find out. Yeah, but. Like Mike was saying, then we go back to the cemetery and we're introduced to mob boss Buzz Bronski. Buzz Bronski's like he's a large guy. Uh, 1992. OK, so it was after it was a mm-hmm. little Easter egg for the fans. Fine, whatever. <laughs> it was still fun. It is. So Buzz Bronski's in the cemetery going to lay the wreath for Chucky Saul, like Mike said, calling him an idiot. Probably because he got killed and Buzz is still alive. Yeah, for now. Yeah, for now. Because soon enough, wouldn't you know it, you hear Buzz Bronski. Your <laughs> angel of death awaits and it's Phantasm again. But they think it's Batman again. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. But then but Buzz, Buzz knows better because Buzz can see it. And oh, that's not Batman. So we have a nice little chase scene. And it's really creepy because the phantasm just just keeps coming. Like at one point, Buzz trips over a wheelbarrow that has a pick in it. 
and he tries to swing it at Phantasm. Knife hand comes up, cuts the tool in half, and Buzz just keeps running, can't get away from him, ends up falling in an open grave. (laughs) Yeah. This would be a sucky way to go. Oh, I have so many thoughts about this, and I want to talk about it before I get into my thoughts. So Buzz is in this grave, six feet, obviously. He's trying to claw at the loose sides to get out, but he can't get purchased in the loose dirt. And the phantasm is just staring at the head of the grave, or at the foot, rather, just looking at him, just waiting there. And there's a big angel headstone above at the head of the grave where Buzz is trying to get out. And then suddenly the phantasm just says, farewell, Mr. Bronski, and leaves. But not without killing Buzz. <laughs> he pushes the, the headstone in. He pushes the big, huge, grant, presumably granite headstone that weighs multiple hundreds of pounds over, and it crushes Buzz Bronski in the open grave. That's got to be a terrible way to go. By the time his goons get there, the east gone, and it has shaken his men. They're like, oh, no. Like, yeah, they're, they they're visibly upset. And then they see the Phantasm, who they automatically assume, of course, is the Batman. They shoot at him. But Phantasm's not going to go down like that, because Phantasm's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He just, he just leaves. Now, the reason that I want to talk about this is because I, I, I have no confirmation at all. No one has ever said anything about it. But I have to think that this particular kill was inspired by 1982's Creep Show, directed by George Romero and written by Stephen King, also known as my favorite movie of all time, because it's very similar to the way that Ed Harris gets killed in that movie. Uh, he falls into a grave. There is an undead, like an undead bastard man father come back to life. He points at Ed Harris from the foot of the grave. And then this headstone falls on top of him while he's in the grave hole. Like almost exactly the same. It made me very happy. Okay. It probably was a reference then to it. I bet. <sighs> I it feels like it so sounds much. like it was. <laughs> So we, we, we have another mob boss killed. Buzz Bronski is an ex mob boss now. And of course his death makes the paper and everybody thinks that Batman is, uh, yeah, everybody thinks that, uh, Batman has gone bats. You get it? (sighs) That's later though. (laughs) I feel like he does eventually, but that's more Dark Knight Returns when he stops giving a shit. Not this yet. Yeah. <laughs> he goes a little crazy in Dark Knight Returns. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> but you got the paper being read by another old man. And you don't know who it is yet, but he's visibly upset by this news. Takes a hit of his uh, oxygen because he's pretty well tied to his oxygen at this point in life. Yeah, I, I like the way the oxygen is because it's not like he's hooked up to a machine. He has a tank with him and just a tank that he's breathing from. I thought that was cool, too. They kind of give it an older style to it instead of like, I want to say in the 90s, you would have had a breathing machine that would have been plugged in or something. Well, no, there are still people today that go around mm-hmm. with tanks because they don't need it all the time. They just yeah. occasionally yeah, need supplemental oxygen. 
And that's kind of where we are with this old gentleman who we'll find out about more later. It's, it's good though. It's a good little scene. And then it jumps to the console wanting Gordon to get the bat and, and Gordon and commissioner Gordon's like, no, you do it. I'm, I'm not doing it. Which <laughs> I'm not sure if you can do if you're the police commissioner. You're... I'm not sure how that works. I don't think he can refuse. I think I like how he does just refuse. And then they go and they like the bat signal up at the top of the roof and nobody comes. Yeah, but you once see Batman again, driving Bullock, the other way. <laughs> Bullock's leading the charge on this one, too, because if Gordon's not going to work with Arthur Reeves to get the Batman, then Bullock will, because Bullock doesn't like Batman and probably all vigilantes. Yeah, Bullock's an asshole, though, too. Yeah, but he, I get where he's coming from. I just don't like Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> so I just don't like Say what character. you will. Bullock in the animated series was, for the most part, a good cop. He wasn't one of the dirty cops. He was always trying to do his job. He just was in opposition to Batman at all times. Yeah, I, I can't. It's been a long time I watched the animated series. I just thinking of other things where that character is at because he's such a Batman character. I don't like him, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the next morning. Batman has to go play Bat Detective at the cemetery. And among the grass, he finds more of that very odd chemical residue that was on Chucky Saul's window piece. Hmm. (laughs) Well, he also knows it wasn't him, so, you know, that helps. Yeah. But he's, you know, tooling around the cemetery midday as Batman, like one does, I guess. But then he hears a familiar voice. Oh, my goodness. He goes to check it out, and it's Andrea Beaumont tending to her mother's grave. Oh, yeah. Okay. I for- I like this scene. I like, I, I love all their interactions together. They really are great. And Batman's just kind of, oh, hey, it's her. And we know that Batman's Bruce Wayne. So we know that Batman's feeling some things, seeing this love. And we don't know why they're not together now, but you can tell the Batman's wistful, maybe feeling a little wistful. She sees him and immediately is like, Oh my goodness. It's you. You're the Batman. And he's like, already knew, right? Well, she didn't know that he was Batman, but because Batman was watching her from, you know, right next to his parents (laughs) gravestone, she kind of puts it together that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Because she's like, Bruce? And I want to applaud somebody for using popular critical thinking here. <laughs> <laughs> because it's pretty much a mirror of how they first met. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Like, that's Bruce was visiting his parents, heard Andrea. They talked. They chatted. That started a whole thing. And now in the future... Batman's hanging out by the parents' gravestone. Yeah. Okay. Andre is there again. So, so of course, she puts two and two together. Makes perfect sense. Okay. So, and then this is to her. <laughs> she's a good character. She's a very good character. I mean, she's a very good love interest for him, too, I feel. Oh, yeah. One of the better ones. Easily. Easily. I would probably say one of the best ones. Yeah. But that's me. I can I can agree with that, too. I haven't read enough stories, but I can agree with it, too. And then this is when you show you see Andrea on her date with Arthur 
And I like this because it shows Batman in the window, like far away, watching them, reading her lips. And like you see him focus when she when they touch hands like it's you. He, he, he's pissed. <laughs> and it's good. It shows the jealousy of Batman, which you don't see very often. You rarely see it. And like it's on one hand, it's kind of sad because you're like, oh, poor Bruce. On the other hand, it's sad in a different way because you're like, wow, fucking stalker much? Yeah, it's good, though. It's a really good little scene. And, like, you can, you know, just everything with it. I, I really enjoyed it. I was very, I really, I really liked it a lot. And the good thing is that this brings up yet another flashback so we can find out more about what happened between Bruce and Andrea. Okay, this this is at the World's Fair when they have their date. This scene, like, oh, man, this is such a good... There are so many little foreshadowing things in, in this world's fair that I just love. Like, well, I, one I want to get into before I forget, like when he sees the car and the car of the future is what becomes the Batmobile. I was like, oh, and he just kind of stares at it for a second. It just, man, it is such a good scene. Everything with this. Yes. And uh, that moment was awesome because it very much like it has the same, you know, elongated front body. The almost cockpit design like this is absolutely the root of the Batmobile at this point. But he's not Batman yet. So for now, it's just a cool car. It is such a good look. I mean, everything with the World's Fair is so good. Like all the stuff that they show. They have the robots, which were kind of the robots that were in Arkham City. Like, you know, years and years later that, you know, they were inspired by this. The whole like futuristic theme. But it's also like... Oh, I, I love it. And I love how much foreshadowing there is with this. If you know where the movie goes. Yeah, it's kind of a throwback to like that um, modernized futuristic Americana that um, America was going through at the time of like, 1950s? you know, the yeah, like early 50s, early 60s, oh, late, late, early to late 50s, pretty much where everything was going to be, you know, robotic and automated. Meet the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, what the Jetsons and what we thought the future was going to be, like what they in the 1950s, what they thought that early 2000s were going to be, not what we got. But, you know, yeah, (laughs) still waiting on my floating car, guys. Let's make it happen. (sighs) Yeah. Or floating skateboards. We haven't made that happen yet either. That was supposed to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Haven't gotten those either. No, we did get a pandemic. We did get one of those. Oh, yeah. Pandemics. Those are great. That's awesome. (laughs) But I just and I also there's like a little house that reminds me of the Jetson where you had the lady with the knife and, you know, the little robot, you know, and stuff like well that comes quite smart later. But I, I I just I was the scene to me was because I remember where the movie goes and the scene is just I really loved it. Like it, it made me so happy to watch this part. Yeah, it's great. The, the house of the future, I think it was. And there's a little robotic barking dog and, you know, robotic dad is sitting by his, you know, in the chair with his pipe. <laughs> and the robotic mom is cutting up lunch meat in the kitchen with a knife and they just drive through. It's on a little tram like um, one of those. Yeah, they're kissing. They're having a good time. Bruce is, you know, happy. Bruce Wayne is happy. And when they go to leave, Andy starts talking about her father wanting to meet him. Yes. And. The whole introduction of when Andy does bring Bruce to her house and, you know, he meets, he's like, oh, you know, I'm always fond of the, of, you know, my, my, 
my daughter's friends and stuff. And then when you see the mob guy come in and you just see Bruce's face when they when they're there and how irritated he is because he knows who they are. And mm-hmm. just when he finds out that her father is working with, you know, some shitty people, it's again, it's more 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 foreshadowing and it's it's really good. And this is when it skips to them when Bruce fight well, I think they're walking home or something, or they go out for a date or something where they're walking by a river. And this is when Bruce ends up seeing the muggers and he ends up fighting them and getting his ass beat too. <laughs> yeah. And it's this fight is crucial because this is Bruce Wayne is fighting them. Not Batman, but Bruce Wayne is fighting some muggers that are picking on some old dude trying to make a living selling stuff on the street. And it's a it's a gang of motorcycle toughs wearing black leather jackets. So part of me is like, okay, this is, really has to be in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, it's it does feel like it's in the fifties. Yeah, it's not, but, but it does feel like it. Yeah, because you got you know these bike guys. They got you know bats and chains, and they're just trying to make a buck. But Bruce goes over and just beats the living hell out of a couple of them. At one point, a bike, a motorcycle is just flying right at him. He jumps up on the front tire guards and springs forward, punches the driver in the face off the bike. Super smooth move. My question is, if you were to jump in the air, land on something that's moving the opposite direction that you're trying, wouldn't the momentum just throw you some other way? Like you wouldn't be able to use it as a foothold, I feel. Ah, welcome to the reason why this is a cartoon movie, because <laughs> physics no, don't exist. I know, it's just that, that went through my head, I went, wait a second, the momentum of the, of the, of the speed carried him that way would have carried his body that way, because <laughs> he's not traveling. That's what went through my yeah. head. And but there's no way that Chucky Saul's car would have hit that building in that spot if he had gone out of the parking garage at the angle that he did. He would hit the street. Yeah, physics doesn't work here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I know, I <laughs> but uh, during the fight, Bruce looks over at Andrea to make sure she's okay, and he gets, oh, oh, he just gets wrecked. That's why they get him. Yep. Okay, I didn't catch that. Because he looks over to make sure Andrea's all right, and then he just gets clobbered in the ribs with a bat that breaks. Like, they hit him so hard, it breaks. You know, you just made the movie better. Because I, when he gets hit by this, I thought he just was on inexperienced. I didn't realize he was checking on her. To make sure she was okay, which makes oh okay, it makes makes the movie even better because it like with the whole thing that comes up next. Okay, keep going. Yep. So the crooks get away, they get the money, Batman gets up, or sorry, Bruce gets up, Andrea comes over, Bruce is pissed and takes it out of Andrea. That's bullshit. Yeah, but it He's, fits. Yeah, it fits. He's upset that he lost and blah blah blah. <laughs> Whatever. So He's pissed. He goes home upset talking to alfred about how he can you know fight crime when there's somebody to come home to he's not I, liking this duality and now it makes so much more sense now that i know why that happened yes <laughs> <laughs> and he's really having a hard time with this and then it comes to the most just oh this scene this next scene oh oh it's such good acting Oh, because the next scene which, uh, is him pleading at the gravestone to stop fighting and stop and not being Batman, even though he hasn't really become Batman yet. But he's like, I can't do this. I can't fight crime. I I'm happy. I found someone that I love. I can't do this. I'm sorry, mom, dad. I promised you. I, and God, is it powerful? 
It I'll is give money so... to the city. They can hire more cops. Just, oh. And then when he says, please, I didn't count on being happy. Oh, my God. It's like I, This is one of the best freaking just Batman movies. Not the best. And but like, it's one of the best. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he is just begging for his parents to understand. And Andrea shows up. And she's like, maybe they have forgiven you. Maybe they sent me. Oh. And they kiss in the oh. rain. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. (sighs) It just, it makes my heart swell three times. Mm -hmm. Much like the Grinch when he discovered the true meaning of Christmas. I love it. (laughs) It's so good. And then we get, oh man. Then we get jerked back into the present. Yep. And we get councilman again. Yeah, fucking Arthur Reeves. I hate but him. But I like this because you already don't like him. He's already slimy to you. And here he gets in the car with a mob boss. And you're like, okay, this starts putting things together. Yep, oh. and it's the, it's the mob boss, Salvatore Valestra, the same One guy who read the newspaper. We forgot to mention, when they do have the flashback, when when Bruce is being introduced to Andy's father, Andrea's father, the councilman Arthur is there because he works for... Andrea's father. We forgot to mention that, but that's very important. Yes, it is. He introduces Arthur to Bruce. Yes. And you can already tell that Arthur's an asshole because he's wearing suspenders and a bow tie. <laughs> okay. No, no offense to any of our listeners out there who wears suspenders and a bow tie. It's a good look, but come on, it's a cartoon, it's a movie, and we all know that assholes wear bow ties and suspenders in those. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the present. We got Arthur Reeves riding around with Salvatore Valestra, still current crime boss, and he's not doing well. No, <laughs> he's he's dying, and he's, he's scared very, as hell. He's very concerned about Batman icing off quote our guys end quote while talking to Reeves. So right now, you know that he and Reeves are in league, and I like this. Oh, my God, I love this because (laughs) Sal is basically begging Reeves to do something about it. He is officially frightened for his life. Reeves isn't going to do anything because, well, he's an asshole, but (laughs) (laughs) he tells the car to pull over because it's unhealthy in here because Sal's coughing and sucking on his oxygen bottle. When he gets out of the car, you get the most look of bewildered insult that I've ever seen a cartoon accomplished. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's great. Arthur wants no part in this. He's like, I don't know you anymore. I don't know you anything. I'm a city councilman. How dare you? Yeah, he's ignoring how he got there. Yep. Which I forget. And then it shows Bat doing more research on his computer. So you see more Detective Batman, which I love. Is this where he's checking, like, the fonts or something where it looks like he had big giant words in the computer? Yeah, this is when he's actually trying to find the link between Chucky Saul and okay. Buzz Bronski. And he finds out that they were all owners of various shell companies a while ago. And there is a third owner, one Salvatore Valestra, who we just saw. <laughs> and then you get another flashback. And I think I said this already, but I'm going to say it again, that they do a, such a good job of jumping back and forth with the flashbacks. A very oh, good job. such a good job. 
And this is where you end up seeing, and this is such a, a scene too, where Bruce is with Andrea at the back at, at his mansion and he proposes to her. He's going to marry her. And she says, yes, of course. And then as they're kissing, bats come flying out of this cave and scare him, which reminds me of a different movie, Batman. Hmm. I wonder they got that idea mm. from. And this is so, so, so good of a scene where he's happy. He's so happy. He found Andrea. He proposed. She's like, all right, I'm going to go home and we're going to tell my dad. They, he, they drive her home. Or Alfred does. And he gets out, you know, she, he, you know, she gets out of the car. She, oh, he has, he has, um, you know, business partners over. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have you come in at a different time. And the guy that's standing there, as soon as I saw him, even before I knew where this movie was going, because I had forgotten, I, I knew where the movie was going, but I forgot how it plays out. And this guy like makes a cat call at her as she's coming in the house and you can just see his crooked face. And I'm like, it's a fucking joker. Yeah, only one character in the Batman animated universe has that nose, and we are looking at a pre-Joker Joker. Which I don't like, but I'll take it. I don't I like the idea of the Red Hood Joker, but at the same time the Red Hood I don't believe is is a fake story because the, the narrator telling you the story is lying to you, but that's neither here nor there. But it's still very cool. See our episode on the killing joke for more yeah. information about that. <laughs> I'll be advertising that at the end of this. <laughs> but this henchman, the chauffeur of, we could see the we could see the silhouettes in the window. We know it's Valestra, Bronski, and Saul talking to Andrea's dad, Carl Beaumont, and we know that they're up to no good. And so does Bruce. Bruce is like, mm, I don't like this. But he and Alfred drive away, and the chauffeur flicks his cigarette at the car, <laughs> just a little fuck you. <laughs> and I loved it. It's good, though. Oh, it's so good. And this is one of those. And then you get to a very sad scene where uh, Batman is co coming out of the cave and he's talking about the bats in the cave and how, you know, like, oh, all this big cave system that runs underneath, the, you know, the mansion, the property. And then the, the ring, Andrea sends the ring back and is leaving him because she's going to Europe with her dad and she's not coming back. And she She's changed her mind. Young, needs yeah. more time. And this is when you see Batman. Then, after being scared by the bats, he puts. He, it shows a scene of him becoming Batman. He puts on the suit, and Alfred even gets scared when he sees the suit. And it's this is the event that made him Batman was because she turned him down. She because he had nothing left to keep him from going to this life yes. anymore. And it is. Mm, it's a good scene. Now, I have read, I, I read something here that was like when, you know, Bruce puts on the mask first time and Alfred says, oh, God, he's reacting in horror because he's watching this man he oh. raised from childhood. Yes, I didn't get that. The desire of vengeance and retribution just take over. I did to, not catch that. But I, of course, have a different feeling about it. Because I remember Batman 1989, and I remember Jack. I remember Jack Napier holding out his hand and saying "mirror," and seeing that he became the Joker. And I feel like this really kind of mirrors that scene because you got Batman holding out his hand for Alfred to give him the Bat Hood, the last piece of the puzzle. Oh, and both scenes end with somebody else in the room being completely horrified by what's happened hmm. and like it just 
when you take Batman 89, that scene, and contrast it with this scene, once again, you see that Batman and Joker kind of two sides of the same coin. That's just yeah. my thoughts. I mean, they, I, I, I believe they are, too. <laughs> I mean, especially, well, you can hear a killing joke episode for that. But yes, I completely believe that they are. And as we cover more Batman, we'll get there because we're going to be covering more Batman on this damn show, especially now. So because I have a thing for Batman. So we see Bruce finally become the bat in the past. And then we get drawn back into the present. Yes. And the way that you in your first scene is so you have you see the world fair, the ruin, the world fair ruined. Like, you know, it's been all these years. They just neglected it. They let it go to shit, which. Again, makes sense. The city, the city's already. And as a guy who grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the '90s, where I saw the city where it was very industrial at one time, you, I saw abandoned factories all over the place, or places I thought were abandoned that even weren't because they just looked so run down and shitty. And to see this, it makes perfect sense what would happen if something. It just you know you let it go and you don't care. And it, it's right. so good. And this is where you see the mob boss is going there with a with a suitcase, which assume full of money to go hire somebody. But why has he got a suitcase in the Gotham World's Fair ruin? Hmm. And he's going to go meet us. So I have a couple things about this part. Like, one, I feel like you could not have this part. This movie still would be good if you would have changed it to someone else. But I'm okay with who he's meeting at the same time because then it makes the Phantasm not really the villain, but is the villain. But it gives you another villain for them to fight together when we get there. So I'm okay with it both ways. So the music starts up the music that we heard from Bruce and Andrea's date and the giant golden statues start coming to life and then they get shot. Yes. By a machine gun and power down. But who's holding the machine gun, Mike? The Joker. The Joker introduced with a wonderful swell of pipe organ music. Ugh, just makes me happy. And at the time when this movie came out, there was no, oh, the Joker's in this movie. Nobody knew no, before he, the internet was big. I mean, that's the thing. He's not advertising the cover. This is not a Joker movie or a Joker story, but it works to have him in here because he ties to everything that's happening. So you get the Joker and he and Sal are going to have a chat. <laughs> So Joker throws him into one of the old tram cars and they speed off because now it's going fast instead of a slow, leisurely ride. And they get to the house of the future, which has also fallen to ruin. But it seems to be where Joker's hiding out these days, which makes sense. And then you have that little dog that's barking at him and he kicks the dog. <laughs> yes. Robotic dog. <laughs> Just that made me very happy. It's funny. Yep. And you still got uh, the robotic housewife sitting there, still cutting. And Joker makes some very concerning remarks about personifying the robotic housewife. Pinches her cheek, at which point some of her cheek comes off because robots. And he puts it in his pocket. Yeah, just puts it in the pocket. That's the part that got That's... me. I'm like, what? Why? Like, okay. But Sal is there on a mission. In the suitcase is $5 million up front and whatever he wants to finish the job for the Joker to kill the Batman. Yeah, it worked out really well for him, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Because the Joker's like, no, 
I'm not pest control. You deal with your problems. And Sal brings up a very good point. He says, thank you, fool. Once he gets me, how long until he comes after you? So, oh, the Joker's in with this, too. Yeah, which is, this is when they start to put together that he was the guard that you saw earlier. Yeah, and I know, I get that, you know, nobody really particularly cares for this part. Like, it's all too nod and wink, everybody's involved, I get it. I'm okay with it in the aspect of the fact that it is one city, it makes sense that Joker would have been somewhat involved with organized crime. This is an organized crime story. I'm okay with it, but I understand what you mean. But Joker eventually agrees to do it, and that makes Valestra very happy. And we all know that the one thing Joker likes is a nice, big smile. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. <laughs> And then it jumps and then it jumps to Andrea comes home from her date with councilman asshole. And I like how he's trying to get laid. Like he makes a comedy. He's like, oh, yeah, why don't we uh, come in the house? Like, oh, let's uh, spend some time together and coffee or something, whatever the hell he says. And again, he's just trying to sleep with her. But I like the way they do it because it's a kid's movies. They don't really like, you know, it's not sho- it's not shoved in your face or anything. But it, it's, you know, you know, and I, I, it amused me. And she just kisses him and said, nope, good night. Because she sees the window is open. She knows Batman is there or was there. And this so, is another great scene, oh. like where they Oof. talk and I, I, she already knows you know that he's batman at this point and he kind of he doesn't even like wait does she say something about bruce and he just jumps out the window or i can't remember exactly how the scene goes oh i remember how this scene goes so she turns on the light batman's just right there and she doesn't even react re- react surprised she's just like oh it's you <clears throat> and batman has come to ask her questions about her father because Batman went to Valestra's house tonight and he wasn't there because he was going to meet with his old pal Joker. <laughs> and Batman wants answers. Oh. Hey, where's your dad? Okay, and she says, he found the picture. Yes. He found the picture of Valestra, Bronski, Saul, and Carl Beaumont, Andrea's okay, father. And this is and this is where he tells her, Well, you told you told uh, your date you were never closer. To your father. Yeah. And she has no idea where her dad is. She mm-hmm. tells Bruce, why don't you try Madagascar? Yeah, she knows where he is. Oh, well, she does know. But we don't know that yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce is a little upset. So she says something about her dad. And she comes back with the biggest burn ever. The way I see it, the only person controlled by their parents in this room is you. (laughs) (laughs) And Batman looks hurt. So he just leaves. She goes, closes the window and immediately starts crying because drops her drink. Oh, drops her drink. It shatters on the floor. She collapses in the bed crying because she's upset. She didn't want to do this. She still loves Bruce. Yes, it's. Mm, fuck this movie is good and it's then it so jumps good. to phantasm showing up to the mansion to kill the old mob boss to kill val or sal whatever the hell his name is and as this character ends up getting to gets to the body you see he's sitting there reading the paper and right when you see him, i'm like okay this looks off already just the way that it is it's too i don't know it didn't look right there's no oxygen and when when the phantasm pulls the paper he's a giant smile on his face for some reason 
oh no, the Joker hit him with the toxin. And the video camera's like, you're not the bat. <laughs> Joker has set up a remote camera on Sal's body so that as soon as the paper moves, it activates. And the Joker's looking and wait, 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 wait. You're not the Batman. What are you doing? God, and the lines, though, like something about you'll be all over the all over the paper in pieces yep. and stuff like that. <laughs> Soon your name will be all over town to say nothing of your head, arms, <laughs> kidneys and spleen. <laughs> it's so good. So oh. Phantasm definitely realizes that Joker has set up the bomb. And dives out the window just as Sal's apartment explodes horribly. Well, more mansion. I wouldn't say apartment. Is that, is that apartment? Well, it, it looked like an apartment to me, but hey, I could be wrong. Yeah. Anyway, bad man house blow up. Phantasm <laughs> gets away. And Phantasm can freaking run, though. Oh, yeah. Because when they're running Phantasm. on the rooftop, Phantasm's being chased by the Batwing and is moving pretty damn fast. Yep, because Batman shows up to find the Phantasm. And the Batwing is chasing down Phantasm at this point. And Phantasm is just hauling ass. This was my first clue that something wasn't right. Because Phantasm is hauling ass. Yes. And I think I think now we're going to get into the part where spoilers are going to happen. We're not there yet. It just, it, it feels like it, but I'll hold it back. I want to hold it until the movie so, does it. Okay, right. so this... I got to talk about this scene because this scene, I had forgot that this was in the movie. And since I have seen a lot of Batman movies, such as Dark Knight, this is like, I feel like Dark Knight was inspired by this scene. So Batman is, so Phantasm phases away into the smoke. And so they think Batman, you know, is killing people. So the, the cops come after Batman and they pretty much corner him into a construction site. Like they chase him down, they're shooting at him. And they even start hitting him where he's getting injured. Like, he's taking a few shots. He's taking a beating. And he's not okay. And he can't get away. Like, there's even one scene where he lands on a rooftop. I think it's a, yeah, it's a rooftop. And there's a car up there for some, who knows how, or why there's a car up there. But there's a car. Maybe it's a bridge. And he just falls off the edge of the bridge and flies off. You can even see the bat rope that he's using to get there. And the SWAT team shows up. Like, they are really here to kill Batman. All I can think of the Dark Knight part. Yep. In the end of Dark Knight. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they are gunning for him. And, of course, they are led by everybody's favorite detective, Harvey Bullock. And eventually, Batman gets to a construction site to try to hide out. But there are numerous SWAT teams waiting there. Yeah, and they, they do such a good job of, like, just kicking his ass in a way. Because they, well, I think the thing that does hurt him, no, what hurts him is they shoot oxygen tanks that blow up. And that's what pretty much cripples him. Yeah, like, he's done. At that point, he's probably got a few concussions. He basically just got hit full force with an explosion. Yeah. And it threw him around the construction site. I mean, at one point, he even she even shows his hand like he's, he's blood, like he's bleeding. He's not doing well. The SWAT team is already on the same floor that he is coming for him. And his and the helicopters, you know, put a spotlight on him. Like the way he gets out of the scene where he puts the cape on like a on some kind of piece of wood. Like, I thought that yeah, was really cool, too, and tricks them. And they all just, they just shoot the shit out. Like, they're there to kill Batman. They don't care. Yeah, so they basically rip his cape and cowl to shreds because they put it on a construction sawhorse. And meanwhile, Bruce, unmasked, is <laughs> trying to get away from this construction site. 
That is the level of desperation. He's still wearing the Batman outfit, but he doesn't have his cape and cowl, so you can clearly see that it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And he runs into an alley, and he would have been done. Because, like, he's got nowhere to go. The cops are coming, and all of a sudden, a, a red Corvette, like, car comes up, and he jumps in it. And it's Andrea Beaumont waiting for him. And she so, rescues him. she knew, obviously, we know that she knew it was Bruce, but she came to his rescue. Yeah. And it's lovely. And I also noticed that there's no license plate in the back of the car, either. Oh, yeah. No. Which is a little touch, no. because... Otherwise, they would have just followed it and found her. So it, it, it's cool that they did that little touch and didn't put it there. Yep. Simple thing. But again, it, it's something that I feel like plays a part in the movie. Almost like she knew that something was going to happen. <sighs> and then you get another flashback where she finally she tells them the past of what happened, of how the the mob came to her dad to kill him. Or, you know, they wanted their money back because he was embezzling money from them. Because that's always smart. And there's money from the mob. Yeah, they'll, they'll forgive you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So Andrea and her dad are running around Europe, eventually settling in the Italy type area. And they made a fortune. They finally pay off the mob. <laughs> but it's not enough. And Andrea is sure that her dad is the phantasm. Yeah, sure she is. Mm. Okay. So she and Bruce are making up. You know, she's tending to Bruce's wounds. Alfred leaves the room to go get drinks, comes back. They're making out. He leaves the room. Cut to next morning. I love this. I love happy Bruce. I love the fact that, like, she's wearing, like, the the obvious, like, all we had sex where she's wearing his, you know, his shirt the next morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Just standing out on the balcony drinking coffee. And she's This is not a kid's movie necessarily. Yeah, but it's not enough to really like, you know, if you know, you know, if you're a kid, you don't know. Right. (laughs) Like this was the first time that the animated series has openly addressed character death. They've addressed sexuality. You know, it's that's why this was a movie and not an episode of the show, because they got a little darker than the show got. And it's to see him happy. And then this is where he debates to end Batman. He's like, maybe I should be done now. God, is it powerful? It is. And Andrea leaves. Bruce goes back and starts looking at the old photographs Mm -hmm. and sees the photo of Andrea's dad with everybody and the chauffeurs in the background. He draws a smile with a red pencil Mm -hmm. and realizes, oh, shit, that's the Joker. (laughs) Well, God damn it. And, and then this is when you see the Joker goes to meet the councilman asshole. And he's like, well, I never knew you. I don't never work with the mom. Just denying everything that happened in the past. Denying how he was part that he worked with, that he did work with the mob, to, which you find out a little bit later. And I, I like this, how he's just rewriting his own past. Well, I like the and idea Joker. that this movie even says, too, is like if you tell yourself a lie enough time, you start to believe the lie. Yep. And Joker, of course, isn't having any of this because he was there. He knows. And Arthur Reeves decides to tell the Joker, yeah, you know, we know it's Batman. We're trying to get him. At which point Joker's like, "Uh uh-uh, I've seen the guy. Looks like the ghost of Christmas future. It's not Batman. (laughs) I think the line was not nearly as cute as Batboy. Yes, that is the line, which, again, Mark (laughs) Hamill delivers such a good performance as Joker, as always. And I always like the idea that the Joker is in love with Batman. I like, I've always liked that idea that they're, that they're, they're very close to each other in a way, oh, like not yeah. sexually, 
but they are like there is there is something there with each other. It's an emotional completionism yes. type of thing. And this is addressed so many times in so many different various Batman medias over the years that I don't really know if we need to spend any more time on it. <laughs> we did it in a different episode. But it's also not really part of this movie. So Arthur Reeves and Joker are continuing to talk and Joker's understandably upset that Arthur thinks that he can wash his hands of this. <laughs> so he attacks Arthur and we all know where this is going. I, I love this. And it, it cuts to the hospital. And Arthur's just freaking out and can't stop laughing. So the doctors, <laughs> the doctors eventually give Arthur a drug that will basically just relax him enough for the toxin to run its course so he doesn't die horribly like Sal Valester did. So they finally get Arthur to quiet down <laughs> and he goes to sleep and the room's dark and shadowy. <laughs> then he wakes up and finds Batman there at his bedside. Yeah, because shadows are like Batman's breeding ground, apparently. He just pops up out of them. <laughs> and but I, Batman. Oh. oh. And the scene, though, as that the councilman gets more stressed, he starts laughing more because the the stuff they gave him to sedate him isn't working because he's so stressed out. Because he's and scared. And he, he should be. Because <laughs> Batman wants answers. Because Batman knows that Reeves worked for Beaumont. And he wants to find out and is what's this, going on. Is this when you find out that the councilman had turned on his father, on Andrea's father, and turned him in, turned, told the mob where he was, and they went and killed him? Yep, all because Arthur Reese was running out of money for his first election campaign. He asked Beaumont, and Beaumont said no, even though he was rich. So he sold him out to the mob, and mob gave him money, but... He sold out his boss, and that's uh -huh. bogus. Which is such, I mean, again, it ties everything together. And, and then perfect. Batman goes to Andrea's apartment, and I think, is this when Batman figures out that, oh, he finds the locket, and then the Joker calls the phone, and then blows up the apartment. Yep. Except the Joker, Joker sends the bomb on the plane of tomorrow oh, from yeah, the Gotham World's Fair. The Joker figured out who Phantasm really is before. And... This is where we're getting spoilers. Yes. If y'all care. I declare, yeah. Yeah, 93. All right, we'll keep going. And then, so you get that little scene, and then you see Andrea standing at the World's Fair, where then she has the flashback of when she came and found her father dead in killed Italy. Killed by the chauffeur. Oh, it was killed by the Joker? Yep. Killed okay, by that I did Okay, that's yep. cool. He came out of the house as she was coming in, knocked a bag of groceries out. He stopped and grabbed an apple because, you know, murder makes one hungry. <sighs> and she goes in, finds her father, screams. So at this point, everything we suspected is true. Andrea Beaumont is the phantasm. And you see her in the outfit standing there at the World's Fair. She's going to go confront Joker, the last person left to kill. And Joker's just sitting in his house of tomorrow, talking to his robot housewife insinuating that they're going to have sex. I don't like it. <laughs> it fits the Joker. Though. It does. It does. Because he's insane. Yep. So, so yeah, I don't like it pets. either. I didn't catch that, <laughs> but I'm okay with it because it fits the character. So I can deal with it. Yeah. Pat's his, uh, robot housewife on the behind and another part of her falls off. 
uh, and then they then he fights a phantasm and he pretty much cripples her pretty quickly because he uses one of his acid things and takes out her claw. And the so, thing I've always Joker like, oh, I like sorry. about the Joker is that he's not a superhuman. He's just a guy. And like he pins her down in, in the scene and he's like thinks he's got her and he's like, you know, he's she's pinned down. He's like, Oh, I beat you, you know, pretty much the way he's thinking. And she kicks him in the balls. <laughs> and he just does the most delicious squeal of pain, backs off, which lets Andrea get back up and commence to beat the living hell out of him. But I like it because it almost feels like his intention is to rape her at this point, in a sense. Like that's where it's gonna lead to because he thinks he beat her. But she, you know, has a power moment, which I, because it shows, because she's, you know, she's not just some weakling and she kicks him right in the ball. That's what I also like about it, too, to kind of like squash that idea, maybe. I feel like it's more than just a, it's there for a reason. Interesting thing that he holds her down the same way that Bruce did. Oh, yeah. With their hands grabbing the wrists when they first, you know, have their kissy moment. Okay. But Joker's getting the hell beat out of him. And he gets knocked back into the kitchen island at one point. And he goes for the bologna and not the knife. I like yep. that. <laughs> because that's a joker. He takes a yeah. big thing of, of bologna and just beats the living hell out. And at one point during this fight, he hits a button that makes the robot go crazy and try to knife Andrea. Yeah. And the way that he tries to kill her is he turns on a giant fan and tries to suck her into a fan to kill her. It's basically just a jet engine. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. And she's flying towards it. She's grabbing onto whatever she can. She doesn't want to go into the fan. Who can blame her? This is why Edna Edna Mode said no capes, everybody. Wouldn't this be a a terrible way to die, though? Because you go feet first, so you would feel your legs being sliced up before you died, before it got to your organs. Yeah, you'd probably feel that before your brain went into shock and just you felt nothing, but... It doesn't matter because here comes Batman. This is another good scene. I, okay, I also love the bat, the way the bat cycle looks because it has that futuristic, but not futuristic theme to it. Like you know, yeah. Fut- even the like bat, mobi- even the bat bike is Art Deco, guys. Yeah, like, and he sacrifices ooh. the bat bike to save her because he jumps with the bat bike, grabs her, throws the bike into the into the engine, takes out the engine. Oh, so good. Even though he knows and, she's the killer, but he don't care. He can yep. save her. He's still going to save her because Bruce loves Andrea, but Batman has to deal with Phantasm. Yeah, but he also has, like, no plan to really arrest her either. Like, he just wants her to stop, but he, he can't because he loves her so much. Yep. Oh. But um, we're also not going to talk about how the Batbike should not have been able to make that jump because there was no ramp there. It pretty much just went vertically up into yeah, the air. He had jetpacks in the back of it that shot it off. You never know. Yeah, I didn't see any jetpacks. But again, cartoon, cartoon physics doesn't matter. <laughs> we already been we already the movie already taught us that physics don't matter in this. Three times because everybody knows comedy comes in three. This is three times that physics don't yeah. work. Uh, okay. Okay. That was good. good. So after Batman saves Andrea, she disappears well, he into pleads her, with her fancy he oh pleads with her. Begs her to stop. And he tells her just to leave. Because he has no plan to stop her. <laughs> like he wants her to stop killing, but he has no plan to you know, like arrest like he should be because he, he and it's this is good to see Batman take him, you know, to not follow the moral standpoint of Batman, but to follow what Bruce wants. And then the fight with Joker where they fight in a model city. <laughs> oh, my God, this is great. So after Andrea fades to nothingness with their fancy smoke bombs, Batman starts going after Joker. 
because somebody is going to pay for a death tonight. Damn it. Yeah. And it's such, it reminds me of King Kong where bat, where Joker has little planes come after Batman. Yeah. It's... Like the car, this city diorama is coming to life. It looks like the set of a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Because little cars are hitting Batman in his ankle. Joker helicopters are buzzing them and cutting them up. Joker hits him he with gets, a building at one point. Beat up too. Like he gets pretty oh, beat yeah. up in this. And this Both is also when do. you see that Joker has a bomb in World's Fair and he activates it during this. Yep, fight. it's in his oven. Like it's all good bombs are. <laughs> uh, it, it's a really good scene and it's a good that you have a fight because you had to have some kind of fight in this movie. And I think this is when Joker tells him that the place is going to blow up. And then Joker runs away and gets a jetpack. But a jetpack that looks like it is Art Deco again. Yep. Because it makes no sense. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. But hey, why not? Fuck it. Jetpack. But also, it had to be that way with the flames being on the far side. Otherwise, Batman couldn't climb on, on his back because Batman was on his back and it was like a jetpack in the movie Rocketeer or something where it's just right on your back. Well, Batman would be fried. So it, it, that's probably why they went with that design, too. And it works really him. well yeah. because Joker's trying to get away. And Batman's not going to let that happen. No, he plans to kill the Joker and die with him if he has to. Oh, that was can, powerful. That's what they're talking about. Like, that's what's going on in the scene. He's like, I don't remember he says it exactly, but he, you can, the feeling is, we're, he doesn't care. It's like, we'll die together. Just end it. Yep. God, Batman, you got to let me go. I'm your only way out of here. If you don't let me go, we're both going to die. And Batman just says, so be it, and drags him into the ground. And this is when uh, Andrea shows up. She grabs the Joker, who's all beat up and missing the tooth from earlier because he got his ass handed to him. And then she f- she takes him away and phases into the smoke, which is supposed to be that she went to go kill him. Is what's insinuating. And Joker's laughing the whole time in that great Mark Hamill laugh. <laughs> and this entire time, the park is blowing up. Yes, and you see the you see the bomb in the oven go off. And he rigged the entire up. place with explosives underneath. The whole park is going up systematically. And eventually, it gets Batman too. But oh, fortunately, <laughs> sewer. Oh, yeah, he climbs in the sewer. That's what happens. Yep, the explosive blows up, like, right next to him. And it knocks a hole in the concrete, which leads to the sewer. And he gets flushed out of the park, essentially. Yeah, it's good. So, Batman has survived. But he's sad. Well, I mean, as we see in the comics, too, like losing his love, whoever his love is, you know, hurts him terribly. And I love seeing sad Bruce crying over Andrea. And then in the Batcave, he finds her locket that she left for him. It's the picture of Andrea and Bruce when they were younger. And Alfred says something really poignant here, how he's constantly worried that Bruce is going to fall into that abyss where he's going to become what he fights and he walks it every night. But Andrea fell into that years ago and there was no way that Bruce could have saved her. God. Oh, so powerful. And then for some reason we're on a cruise ship. Why are we on a cruise ship? Because they had to show that she survived. Yes. Andrea has survived. So my question is when, when she's on the cruise ship, do you think Alfred ends up seeing her sitting at the, on the cruise ship and then just doesn't say anything? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you get that reference, all right? <laughs> I do. Okay. I, 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 I like the fact that she's on the cruise ship. This guy ends up talking to her, which I thought he was maybe a mob guy. She was going to try to kill or something. And, and she just says, I'm alone. 
Yeah, no, he's just horny. Well, she is pretty. Yep. But and he like, asked her if she'd wearing, rather be alone. Did you catch how she's wearing like the veil like she's at a funeral? Oh, yeah, she's wearing the black veil. And then the last scene of this movie is Batman answering the bat signal again. And he's brooding. And it's the music is playing from the show. And, you know, he could have turned. This could have been the time where he didn't. He wasn't Batman anymore. But because she, you know, led into vengeance, he's still Batman. And he's pretty sure that she's dead. Mm-hmm. And she I never mean, shows up not. again in the animated series in any shape or form. I'm pretty sure. Only in this movie. Not in this animated series. Is she in the... And she the, shows up in Batman Beyond. Oh, she's in Batman Beyond? Yep. And so is the Phantasm. That I didn't know because I've never actually watched very much of Batman Beyond because I can't get into oh. it. Oh, it's... Mm. We'll do it. I want to do, the, oh, I wanna do a, it, pilot to, a pilot test episode of Batman Beyond. So. Oh, it's so good. You know who I'll be but, <laughs> but the movie ends with, you know, Batman brooding, doing the thing, being Batman again. Cut to credits. We have a lovely song that is uh, actually sung by Tia Carrera, who is, um, if everybody is a Wayne's World fan, she was the love interest in Wayne's World. Oh. Cassandra. Is this during the credits? Yep. During the That's credits, we get a lovely song. Ah, see, just don't watch the credits. You don't you don't listen to video games. You don't watch credit music. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but Mar- that's essentially the movie. The Marvel movies, I stay for the credits. Okay, yeah, I'm listening well, to it now. Oh, enough. by the way, this entire movie is on YouTube in parts if you want to watch it and don't want to pay. So it's there. It's also on HBO Max. Which is the right way to watch it, because if you watch it on YouTube in the free way that I just was c- cutting through during this, it's in parts that repeat itself. Because that's how the guy was able to put it on there and, and, and broke up in 17 parts, but you get the whole movie. So if you really want to watch it, that's one way to do it. If you're cheap. The the best way to do it is to go onto the Warner Archive website and order this on Blu-ray where it was remastered in 1080p. Oh. So that is absolutely the best way, but HBO Max works. Yeah, that's how I watched it last um, yesterday morning. And that's how I watched it this morning. Again. <laughs> So I probably watched this movie more than a dozen times. And honestly, I can say it's absolutely my favorite Batman movie. It might, if I sat and thought about it for five minutes, it might actually be the best portrayal of Batman and Bruce Wayne ever put to any kind of film. This is only my second or third time seeing it. I have not seen it very many times. It's a, mm, it's a great one. And if you haven't, you should. Yeah, even if you listen to this, I mean, yes, we spoil it, but still, it's a movie. You'll you'll enjoy it. Just watch it. Trust us. <laughs> Would I steer you wrong? Never. Never. <laughs> the fun thing that um, not a lot of people know is that there was a direct sequel to this in a comic book form called Shadow of the Phantasm. Which I'm having a hard time finding. When I look at uh, it near as I can tell, I can't get a copy digitally. I can't find it to purchase anywhere. Uh, this might just be something that has been lost to time for right now. Well, even on one of but, my um, websites that I was looking on, I could, it wasn't there. So you said so, there's a comic about this. So I, as I, as I just mentioned, I'm looking online, like I can't even find it on eBay. 
Yeah, it's really hard to find. It was the Batman and Robin Adventures annual number one, Shadow of the Phantasm. And it pretty much picked up exactly where the movie left off. It starts with Andrea dragging the Joker into the bowels of the World's Fair Park to end his life. But of course, Bruce's words make her pause and she decides to just beat the ever-living hell out of him and leaves him for dead. Okay. But th- three years later, she's back. Is it just one and, annual then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just like a little one-shot type thing. All right, I'm going to have to read this. But she stops somebody from assassinating Bruce Wayne. Basically, the large and small of it, I don't want to get too much into it because I haven't read it in forever, and I only knew somebody that had it. But essentially, Arthur Reeves, the asshole, has somehow survived, and he is ready for revenge. He finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and he tries to kill Andrea, but it doesn't work, of course. And Batman lies to Jim Gordon, saying he never knew who the Phantasm was. But it does wrap up some things. It allows Arthur Reeves to try to get his revenge, and, you know, good good going, buddy. He's still disfigured. He's still got the Joker smile. But... Nobody really mentioned Phantasm until Phantasm showed up again in Batman Beyond. Uh, an older Andrea Beaumont does d- have some dealings with elderly Bruce Wayne. Which is cool, because I did not yeah. know that she came back in any shape or form. And I'm not going to talk about that. Because I don't want to, because I want to do that. That's something that you all got to find out for yourself. Or be an own episode. That, Batman Beyond is also on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And all, and the last thing to say about this, about her, is that Phantasm finally became canon in DC Comics in 2020, in the or going to be in the Batman Catwoman comic by Tom King. Did not know. She which, did that. which is lovely. I did not read it. I didn't even know it existed until I was Googling stuff for this episode, during the episode, and before the episode, and I found that out. I'm like, oh. So, yeah. <laughs> She's coming back in some shape or form. Thank goodness. Always right. good to have Andrea Beaumont and come back. And I think back. we should go to shelf, shelf or shelf for this one. Shelf or shelf? Who? Wow, no, this is gonna be I tough. mean, shelf stacker box, but there's no way this is going anywhere but the shelf. So oh, I'll yeah, go first. No. I have only, as I said before, I've only seen this movie. I want to say this is only my second full viewing that I can remember as an adult. I maybe seen this movie once when I was a kid, but I didn't. It didn't stick with me. But I really enjoyed watching it again here. It's still very good. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, Batman movie that there is. And if you've never seen it, you you need to do Even if you listen to the whole episode, you need to do it. Do yourself a favor and just go watch it because it still holds up. It's amazing that this came out in theaters, and I wish I would have seen it in theaters. <laughs> I don't remember if I did. I might have. I can't remember. It's been a long time. So probably not because I only would have been like eight years old or seven years old. So I probably didn't see it in theaters. But yeah, it's going on the shelf, and I'm really glad we watched it, and I'm definitely going to be recommending it to people all over again. How about you? Oh, gosh, you know, I don't know. Of course it's going on the shelf. If you've <laughs> heard me talk at all during this podcast, you know that I love this movie. I don't know if I would say uh, fanatic, but pretty damn close. I saw this twice in the theater. I have watched it numerous times. I own it on DVD. I don't have the Blu-ray quite yet but that is going to be happening some point in the future. 
And I will just, I've, I've seen this movie more than a dozen times. <laughs> I love it so very much. Just the art, the cast, everything works in this movie. Yes, it's it absolutely going on the shelf in a prominent place. All right. And if you enjoyed listening to this and you want more Batman, well, you know what? We can give that to you. We can give you more Batman episodes because we have recorded a shit ton at this point. <laughs> and I will that read is them the all scientific off. measurement. <laughs> uh, we did Batman Arkham City DLC. Harley Quinn Revenge it just came out not that long before you're hearing this. Mini 13 Batman Arkham City episode 118. Batman Arkham City Comic 24, where we talked about the comic before the before the game. Batman the Killing Joke Comic 22. Batman Arkham Asylum Episode 97. Batman the Long Halloween Comic 17. Batman Death of the Family Comic 8. Batman Hush Comic 3. And then we covered the Batman Genesis, Genesis game back on Episode 3. So I don't recommend that because it's such an old episode. <laughs> My first few are not the greatest, but hey. If you need more Batman, there's all the Batman that we've done so far. And there's more coming. And, and you will find me on not all, but quite a few of those past episodes. I do yes. love talking Batman. And I'm sure that whenever justice needs someone, you will find me on games my mom found. Oh, yeah. Talking about Batman. Yeah. You become our Batman guy and our comic guy. So <laughs> yeah, you'll be back. Oh, and where can people find you? Uh, well, people can find me on uh, Twitter at Professor Sanity. Uh, you can also find some of my writings about film at KennethSanity.wordpress.com. And I also want to say that this episode is, again, brought to you by you, my Patreon. So each month we do a poll and we let people choose what we're going to something that we're going to cover. And this was the winner by one vote, by two votes in the end. But only one counts because one was me. So... <laughs> But so please, for as little as a dollar, you can sign on to our Patreon. You will see a link in the show notes and you can vote in our monthly polls. And I think eventually we're going to have more. I'm debating to put more polls in than just one monthly poll to decide because I have things coming up. So definitely go check that out. And if you enjoyed this episode, go through our giant catalog. We cover games, movies, comics. Go check out everything we do. I'm sure you'll find something to entertain yourself while you're stuck at work or wherever you are. We have tons of episodes for you. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube. There's no video, but we're there. If you rather listen to your pot, if you rather listen to podcasts in on YouTube, it's it's there. Just because. So that's there for you. And I want to give a shout out to our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, aka Mike Stoney from his EP Bite the Bullet. Song is a cool kid squad. Definitely go check him out. You'll see a link in the show notes to his YouTube. And I think that's everything I need to say. And we spent almost two hours talking about a movie that's shorter than that. So, hey, no surprise, though. Not too shabby. (laughs) All right. We will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Have a good one.